I'm not going to show up on the Serbia stage in my little This Is Not a Puzzle t-shirt and jeans. I'm going to dress for the occasion. Hello, and welcome to the Euro What, episode number 185 for the week of March 6th, 2023. We are a pair of Americans trying to make sense of the Eurovision Song Contest. I'm Ben Smith, and I'm joined today by Mike McComb. Hey, Mike. Hello. In this episode, we'll be talking about song drops and another busy selection season weekend. The end is in sight, Mike. Good. I want my Saturdays back. It's been fun, and I enjoy it every year, but also, oh boy, I'm glad that we only have one more weekend of actual selections and then the every year game of chicken between Armenia and Azerbaijan over who gets to be last. Yeah, I don't know what it was about this weekend in particular that really kind of knocked it out of me, but the fact that this is the last one with new-ish stuff and next weekend is stuff that we've all seen because it's Sweden and Portugal. It's like easing out of this process, which I really need that. An easy Saturday to go out on. I'm looking forward to it. Going outside during the afternoon on Saturday. What a concept. But let's dive into the news. So we've had a bunch of selections, but we've also had some major logistical details for those of us who are trying to actually see these in the arena in Liverpool, because we now have ticket info. Unless you're listening to this episode while you're waiting in the queue, hello, I am also here. Uh, you're too late. You, you should really be concerned, uh, because they are going on sale on Tuesday at roughly 7 a.m. U.S. time, which thank you for not making me have to wake up at three in the morning and set five alarms in my house. You're missing out, Ben. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of when Ukraine did last host. I, I believe that their ticket start time was also at an hour that could be described as godly. Unfortunately, in balancing that out, they are being sold by Ticketmaster, so happy Hunger Games to all of us. May the odds be in our favor. I'm so sorry for everyone that's going to have to deal with that. I mean, given that Ticketmaster has not been great, I, I don't know if that's been a worldwide issue or just particularly in the U.S. with Taylor Swift and Beyonce. But, I just uh, like, yeah, I just like that they are now uniting all of the fandom armies. You have the Beyonce people, you have the Taylor Swift people, you have the BTS people, probably, mm. uh, and now you have the Euro fans. We are just going to burn them to the ground. Good luck, everybody. Uh <laughs> yeah, good luck to Ticketmaster executives if y'all screw this up. Oh, no, I don't care about them. They made their bed. Elsewhere, Airbnb is offering a bonus for new hosts in Liverpool to provide space during Eurovision. I'm assuming it's just because all of the bands getting selected means there's fewer hotel rooms. There's that. I think there was a shortage of space regardless. And also, there's the whole coronation thing in the mix. I don't know how that's going to impact stuff. I keep forgetting about that. I was hoping to stop by London on my way to Liverpool and then looked at prices because the coronation was happening and laughed and laughed and booked alternate flights. If you are listening to this before tickets have gone on sale, we do have a link in the show notes. And again, good luck. <laughs> really mean that because it is it is a bit of a fight. So, But also remember, there are the jury shows, there are the family shows. You can go see Eurovision without necessarily needing to be at the quote unquote live shows. There are lots of other shows to go see. I highly recommend it because then you get to watch the live shows at a bar or with friends and you get to kind of relive the experience and compare and contrast the two. Like it, it's, Exactly. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I guess we should start talking about some of the songs that will be presenting in Liverpool. Earlier last week, the Netherlands revealed their song by Mia Nikolai and Dion Cooper and it's called Burning Daylight. I'm sorry, I'm just you Losing my soul, but chasing 
This one is co-written with Duncan Lawrence. Ben, what do you think of this one? It's fine. It's an okay song. It feels like very much a great song for the jury, so oops. I've been in sort of a party mood from Eurovision for the last couple years, but it's not what I'm looking for this year. I can really feel the Duncan Lawrence-iness of the track, and uh, yeah, like I, I just... I just find him so boring. <laughs> He's so boring, but it's just not for me. I understand that people really, really, really like Arcade, so like this is just my own thing. I think it holds up to the Netherlands' recent standard of excellence. Like They've made some very good choices. On the other hand, I don't fully understand why this song exists as a duet between two voices. I need to hear a live version of this before I can really make any sort of firm opinions, because listening to the studio track, it is very well produced to the point where it feels glossy, and I just can't hang on to it. Like, it, it, it is mm-hmm. not sticky at all in my mind. Maybe seeing them performing, hearing what the harmonies are actually going to sound like will help cement that a little bit, but I listened to all of these songs before we recorded today, and this one immediately escaped my head. Saying that this has a sheen to it is right. I would love to see it with a little bit of grit in the mix. It's very nice. It can probably be staged very well, but it's not sticking with me. At least it does have the point of distinction of not being a band and being a duet. So that's going to separate it from a lot of the solo singers, all, yes. all two of them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, no, I think I sent you a graphic over the weekend of making the Too Many Cooks logo Too Many Bands because, oh boy. Yeah, really, there aren't that many bands in this week's episode. I'm scrolling through just to make sure that that statement is true. And it is. Yeah, there's only one band that we're talking about this week. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah we've... <laughs> we'll circle back to it once uh, we get into the review season. But at the moment, it's not really doing anything for me. But that's also kind of how Netherlands works for me. Like, it took me a while to get into the deep de last year. And I eventually came around. Also getting revealed this week was Cypress's entry. Cypress had already announced they had selected Andrew Lambro, And this week they released his song, Break a Broken Heart. <laughs> Mike, what do you think of this one? I assume that David Lindgren said no to recording this. (laughs) It is 100% a Swedish track. It's written by the Jimmies. There are specific David Lindgren songs that I can think of. It's like, oh, this is borrowing that instrumentation, that little riff right there. And it's just this like wall of sound. It's perfectly cromulent as a Swedish entry, even though it's for Cyprus. That's where I have landed. If you had told me to imagine a song called Break a Broken Heart, this is exactly what I would have imagined. It is by the numbers. There are so many more interesting ways you could have recorded this song. This is another one where I would like to hear a live version, just because there are some vocal gymnastics where if Andrew's able to pull them off, be like, oh, that is actually pretty impressive. But as a studio recording... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like this is the second year in a row that Cypress is like, what if we send a mid-tempo thing, and this year they're spicing it up by sending a dude? And I'm just like, this is not what we really said we wanted last year, but thank you for trying again. Although at least last year, it was in Greek, so at least it had some sort of Cypriot influence. There is nothing Cypriot. Yeah, yeah there's nothing that says this is Cypress. And the song, like, again, it just said, hello, Sweden. 
what you got? And the Swedes was like, hello, we have this. If this were in this year's Melfest, I think it would be a slightly different conversation. Like, I think it would have been a very interesting Melfest entry. Yes, yeah. I'm weirdly more interested in it as a, as a Melfest entry than as the, the Cyprus entry. Getting into the process of, was this a Melfest reject? Was it written after the deadline to submit? Like, what is the thought process behind having this one go abroad rather than staying in Sweden? It's that part of the songwriting process, that is, like the business side of it. There's like, huh, I wonder what factors into those sort of decisions. When the Jimmies get out of their fugue state and suddenly have 24 songs in front of them, how do they pick which ones go to Melfest and which ones they try to sell elsewhere? This is another one that we'll cycle back to. It's not a band. so It's, it's, it's <laughs> not might... a band. They've got that... They've got that going for them congratulations you didn't pick a band a country that did pick a band was germany they had their national selection uh unser lead for liverpool on friday we love a friday final it was a final that was supposed to have nine participants one of the participants was sick and wasn't even able to record a backup at rehearsal like she missed all of the available recording times so eight people ultimately competed the winner of the set was Lord of the Lost with Blood and Glitter. Sweet and bitter, we're so happy we could die. Well, let's talk about the process. On one hand, we love a Friday final. On the other hand, it's very weird to be watching a final at like 4.30 p.m. and realize that it's like 10.30-ish when this is starting in Germany. Like, that's that's late. Yeah, although one of the songs had several F-bombs in it, so I can kind of understand why it had to be a little bit later. <laughs> it was weirdly refreshing to hear some F-bombs at a, at a Eurovision final, though. The mood in the room was just kind of weird. Like, Barbara's great. They should write a song for Barbara, because she loves this. She'd be a great ambassador of Germany and music. Every time it would catch people in the room, there was a lot of just sort of, I'm just here so I don't get fined faces. There was not palpable enthusiasm in the room, except for one entrant. Yeah, except for uh, Ika Hufgold and Song Me to Gute text, which that was the TikTok winner in Oh Boy. I went on a weird roller coaster of emotions going, oh no, this is going to win, and then being like, wait a minute, there's a jury, and then just sort of watching the performance and just seeing that the enthusiastic section of the room was all wearing Ica wigs and going, oh no. It really set a very uncomfortable mood in watching the final, and like also on Twitter, because like nobody was enthusiastic about this entry. I think it is kind of a Dustin the Turkey type entry. Yeah. And I feel like we are due for one of those. It's been a minute since there's been an entry like that. And I think Germany is the prime candidate to deliver an entry like that, just given what their track record has been the last few yes. years. But yeah, what what's his first name pronounced? Is it Ika? Ika. Uh, Ika. Okay, yeah, because I've been pronouncing it Icky because the whole thing has been Icky. Yeah, the, oh yeah, the whole and, thing has been Icky. But that performance was boring. You could be as critical as you want, as satirical as you want. Do not be boring. And that is what happened there. And I don't know why I'm trying to defend this because I don't like it was just not a good entry. It was just really like, all right, do do what you want, whatever. If the TikTok crowd voted this in, fine, go nuts. But do not have a boring performance and then be shocked that it didn't cross the finish line. Let's talk about that finish line. Last year, 
for Germany's selection, I remember the jury was essentially all of Germany's radio stations reporting the exact same 12, 10, 8, like the Borg, except for like one of them. So I was delighted to see that this year it was an international jury, and the international jury's top three were Will Church, Anissa Russo, and Renee Miller. Those three got 37 points total from the public, which are only three points above what got third with the public. The public's top three were Patty Gertie, who again got 34 points, Ika Hoofgold, who got over 100 points, and Lord of the Lost, who got somewhere I want to say around 189 points. Although I think that was total. So Lord of the Lost was a decisive victory, but Ika Hoofgold was the first person to get votes and immediately rocketed to the top of the chart. My theory on that is Germany opened up their online voting like a week ahead of the final. Of the eight contestants, I think Lord of the Lost and uh, Icky Hoofgold are probably the ones with online fan bases, particularly rabid online fan bases. The other entries, they're just really bland. I can't imagine them having an army of supporters behind them on Twitter and TikTok and wherever. I was still fully expecting Will Churchill triumph by a couple points. I'm kind of delighted that Germany picked something that's not just sort of the same sort of thing they've been sending for the last few years. But also, Blood and Glitter kind of just leaves me cold. I think part of it is it's just a style of hard rock that I'm not really into. So like it, it's having to get over that. I'm also thinking about it from the perspective of even five years ago, a song like that would not be able to get into the grand final without it being either a host entry or a big five entry. And I think think that has changed i mean like just based on the variety of bands that are competing this year it's like oh yeah i think this song probably could have gotten to the final or it might not have gotten into the final just because there are just so many other related options <laughs> and it's like okay does yes. this one rise above all that but yeah i mean it's nice as a reminder of how tastes at eurovision have changed in the last five years and what can be successful at the contest has changed agreed this particular entry in my notes, I just have girl, I guess. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it's it's very much in the vein of hard rock hallelujah, but it doesn't really elevate beyond that for me. And like it has like two hooks and it keeps hitting them and it needs a third one. There's a thesis in there somewhere, it just needs to get sussed out a little bit. Maybe the stage performance will be able to help elevate that or expand on it in a little yeah a more helpful way i thought the stage performance at germany was fine really like this one should have won because it was the best option out of the eight that were presented how that's going to translate to a larger competition remains to be seen i don't think i can add anything beyond that this particular vein of hard rock this is what it always does at eurovision and it's not really doing anything new but they have time to figure out if they can add something new i think they can they are an established band with some pretty strong bona fides i think was it iron maiden that they've toured with Something like that. Yeah, like they, they, they've got credentials. This is not their first rodeo. Right. We got into the meat of things on Saturday and starting out earlier in the day than usual, Moldova. Although Moldova definitely started earlier in the day, but it also ended pretty early in the day for me just because the stream was not in the mood. I had an appointment Saturday morning, so I, I knew I was going to be late coming into Moldova. Moldova TV has the time in the lower right corner. And when I logged onto YouTube and saw that the image on the screen was seven minutes behind what the actual time was, it's like, oh, no, this is not good. And then I got your Slack message. And it's like, I'm giving up on this. It's like, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no, no, what happened? Yeah, <laughs> I went to the YouTube stream as well because I've just from previous years known that the Moldova TV website cannot handle all of us descending on it at once. 
awesome. There's a YouTube stream, but just like the YouTube stream would just stutter and stutter and stutter. I'm just like, I can't do this. It seemed like it was something that was centralized on the Moldovan side of things because like the Facebook stream had the exact same issue. I didn't try on on the main website. I'm just going to have this on in the background. If it starts up, great. If it doesn't, well, Sweden starts at one. Moldova's going to do fine. They had a bunch of good stuff in the mix. Mm-hmm. And also the exciting sponsors like Raw Boost Energy Drink. Somebody on Twitter made a graphic in the style of the artist announcements that we've been getting from the official Eurovision account for Raw Boost Energy Drink. And I had to like take a moment to wait, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Move out of the way, Moroccan oil. <laughs> Ultimately, it came down to, on the jury side, a lot of names we've seen before uh, from Moldova. Uh, Sunstroke Project, Aliona Moon, and Pasha Parfany were the 8, 10, 12. Pasha was the winner. So Pasha Parfany will be representing Moldova with Swarle Shiluna. have been deeply missing an ethno banger this Eurovision season. I'm so glad that Moldova has kept up its reputation as the people who bring the party with that. Yeah, this one's an interesting one that I kind of want to sit with a little bit more. Like, I, I like it. It's kind of reminding me of Fulen, but for some reason, there's a little bit more authenticity behind it, but I don't know why that would be the case. I feel like I need to figure that part of it out, but first impression, I like this one. I think Moldova made a good choice. Well, yeah, I think any of the people who have previously represented Moldova would have brought a good time. I have liked Pasha Parfany's music since his original entry for them in 2012. He had an entry for them in 2020 called My Wine. That was a lot of fun as well. That is the side of Moldova that I love seeing at the contest is sort of the same thing that, that Jobsi Dub uh, brought last year. There's a real sense of authenticity and folk music and joy. Although I agree that I kind of want to sit with this one a little bit because it's doing some of those same things, but also it's throwing some other sounds in the mix. But it's fun. Since you mentioned last year's participants, both Jobzji Zdub and Frati Advehoff had interval acts. The brothers Advehoff, they had like a whole orchestra with them. Like it was like a lot of stringed instruments and accordions. <laughs> and that was such a fun performance. And then like all of the contestants were dancing around in a circle in front of the stage. And it was just like, oh, this was delightful. And I'm glad the stream was able to get in gear so that we were able to watch that. I do recommend seeking that out. You could tell that they just love music and they're so happy to do what they do. Along with Moldova, we had Serbia making their selection. They had a whole process this past week. It started out with 32 songs across two semifinals. Did you get to watch any of the semifinal stuff or did you just focus on the grand final piece? Having seen it in the notes, I sought out the Incorpore Sano performance and the follow-up performance that Constracted did. But otherwise, I just showed up at at the final ready to go and, and learned some things. Yeah, so Constraca did a couple of performances as interval acts during the first semifinal. Highly recommend checking those out. And then the second semifinal, one of the intervals included a video essay that was about ethnic traditions in Eurovision entries, which was really interesting. And even though it was in Serbian, it was very easy to follow along and be like, oh, I know why they're mentioning this one. <laughs> so that was great. And then it was followed by a medley featuring a lot of Serbian singers and past Eurovision contestants doing the greatest hits of 
Eurovision ethnobangers, although Euphoria was in the mix there. I don't really consider that one to be an ethnobanger, but they did a folk <laughs> remix of it, which was pretty cool. I It, it was a fun remix of that, and it uh, closed out with Trenulental, so a lot of folklore and rock and roll happening on Saturday. <laughs> Thinking about Moldova, very much had like sort of what I think of as traditional music there. There was some wonderful Balkan brass throughout the final show, and I love the sound of that. There was a great variety in the final, which is pretty impressive given what their process is. I mean, you, you would think that it would kind of lean towards one particular genre, but I think the way that they split out the semifinals was interesting. It, it felt like the first night was kind of more on the ballady, slower tempo songs, and then the second semifinal was kind of more pop-oriented. So I think that really allowed for the delightful mix that we got on Saturday. The jury selected as their top three Nadia, Luke Black, and Philip Ballos, whereas the televote selected Prince, Luke Black, and Gypsy, which means that Luke Black ended up winning, and he'll be going to Eurovision with the song Samo Mi Sispava. Game over. watched the final, I was a little bit more interested in what Philip Ballos was presenting. Luke Black, I like that there are ideas happening, but I'm wondering if the staging is getting in the way of the song. So the whole motif of the staging is a video game boss fight. A really boring video game boss yeah. fight, I must say. It's like, what? You just unplug the thing? No, 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 no. Like, this needs to be an epic battle. That's not how this works. Yeah, because like, yeah, there's a lot going on there. Is this trying to say something deeper and I'm just missing it? But I listened to the song on its own a couple times it's okay. I like that's different from what Constracted did last year. Mm-hmm. I love a nation that shows variety. It's not quite clicking with me yet. And, I, and again, like I feel like they're kind of overthinking the staging right now. I think it could be simplified, or maybe on the dimensions of the Liverpool stage, it'll feel a little bit more spaced out. Like it felt fairly compact, but not in a tension sort of way, just in kind of more of like a, oh, we only have so much space to work with sort of way. Kind of, kind of the problem that I had with Brooks choreography last year, where it felt like it was all done in an elevator shaft like that that's kind of yeah. how this staging felt a little bit yeah it did feel a little bit compressed the thing i liked about serbia is their space felt very wide open it felt like everybody was in the same television studio and there was something really cool about that and that like there was space for everything to, to perform and like, this felt a little compressed into one area of the stage there are ideas here and i think they could build on it i just hope that they're not just going to copy and paste this into liverpool the stage and the dancers feel very one performance and then what luke black is in it feels like a complete different thing yeah like coming in on the seashell bed or whatever that was like yeah yeah it didn't quite connect yeah like everybody else is in a video game and you're just like in a shirt and pants that you're wearing while you're playing the video game okay (laughs) (laughs) what you don't wear clothes when you play video games ben is that what you're saying I'm not going to show up on the Serbia stage in my little This Is Not a Puzzle t-shirt and jeans. I'm going to dress for the occasion. I'm sure they'll figure it out. Like, Serbia knows what it's doing. Serbia Uh, knows what they're doing. Really rich variety from that show. Some entries that felt very traditional and very much what I think of when I think of the Balkans. I will give them this. It feels new and different. And also, we keep saying it, but it's not a band. So while you were watching Serbia, I was watching the end of Song the Kapnin. 
that was a very good show overall. Iceland always takes a while in their final selection, but I was pleased with what ended up in their gold final. It got down to Delia's power in its English version and the Rockabilly Trio's okay. Given what Iceland has sent in the last couple of years, I'm like, yeah, these are these are sort of like the two veins of what they're liking right now. They had a massive increase in votes this year. Like they had 260,000 votes cast. Oh, wow. Yeah, which for comparison, in 2022, they had just under 137,000 votes cast. So like that's a major increase. I just Googled what the population of Iceland is. It's uh, 372,000. Almost everybody is represented. I'm Granted, like people can vote more than once, but uh, yes. yeah, that's, that's still a lot. Subwoofer opened the show. It was your standard subwoofer performance. They were in the suits, but we also know who they are now. So it's, it's like... So like, it's fine. We know it's, it's them. Sister performed as one of the intervals. They did a new song that was very much in the vein of last year's entry, but then they did last year's entry in an electro remix. Oh. As someone who had been a fan of LNA's music before she was part of Sister, I've been wanting her to get back to that space. So it was cool to see them take the song to that direction. The winner in the end was Delia and Power. Delia took part in Iceland's Got Talent in 2015 when she was 13. It's always delightful to find that some sort of talent show format really just got sold door to door, like Music Man style in like every country. (laughs) Yeah, especially like Iceland. It's like, yeah, we know that Iceland has talent. That's your chief export. Everybody is in five bands. This was the second season of Iceland's Got Talent. There was enough talent in Iceland for two seasons of this program. Looking at the interview on Roof's website for when all these artists got announced, I found this question. Like The, the Q&A had like, some really fun questions, but I did like that one of the questions translates to, how much chili sauce can you handle? So we're doing hot ones now in Iceland. Wh- to which Delia answered, medium spicy. Stay humble. I love that. Oh, I love the Icelandic sense of humor. So. <laughs> yes, we, we, are, we are getting to the middle of the hot ones wing board. As far as power, the song was co-written by... Palmi Ragnar Asgerson, who was one of the co-writers of Unbroken in 2015, hmm. which hmm. I like this better than Unbroken. Unbroken was basically the same verse for three minutes. Yeah, I like this one, too. I think it was Scandy Pop compared it to late 90s Robin, which I really like that comparison. And I think that may also explain why I like this entry. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think of the set, this one is probably the one that I would have voted for. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy this one won. I agree. I like that late 90s Robin comparison. And I like her vocal tone throughout this. Like, yes. that's what hooks me on this one is because, like, the song itself... Like, there are parts of it that feel very Eurovision by the numbers and feel like trends that have already sort of come and gone. It's not really dubstep, but the sort of drum and bassy breakdown that's happening. It's well sung, and there's this tone to her voice that I enjoy with this. The intervals were fun. The entire program just sort of had like a Sabado Gigante vibe. Oh, really? It's just like, yeah, oh yeah, they were, Delia, as part of her background, has trained in like massage therapy. So it's like, here's the person on a massage table. And then Bragi, the one super Melfesty entry, that guy is a soccer player. It's like, hello, we have a soccer field backstage. Come shoot some goals. <laughs> so just, you, you just really had no sense of what the contestants were going to be dragged over to do. And just in between that, they're just playing various Eurovision songs. There's a whole interval act that's the hosts singing a version of an ABBA song that's about Songva Captain. Okay. Why is there a version of Money, Money, Money that's somehow not Kroner, Kroner, Kroner? They're having a lot of fun, and there's something charmingly 
Dude Point yesterday called it Party City about the aesthetic of the Icelandic Eurovision selection. It's not public access, but it's like a polished step above public access, and I really like it a lot. A real good local news station. That's Roof. Those were all of the selections that happened. The other shows that happened on Saturday included Sweden's Melfest. It was their semifinal of the eight acts from the previous four heats that finished in third and fourth place. Nordman uh, won the semifinal, and in second, third, and fourth were Mariette, Kiana, and Theos. So all four of them will be advancing to next week's final. Sorry to anybody whose name is more than one word. Not really much to report. There was no stage invasion, so pretty quiet compared to last week. Uh, (laughs) And yeah, I mean, these were all the same performances as in their previous weeks. If you saw those performances, I don't think you really missed much here, but we do have a full field of 12 for next week's show. Portugal also finished out their semifinal process. Advancing from this week were Edmundo Inácio, who was one of the public entries, and he's an alum of the Voice of Portugal. Barbara Tinoco, who competed in 2020. I love her entry this year. I think I'm rooting for her. Inez Apenas, who was another public entry. Ivandro, who is an alum of Portuguese Idol. And Voodoo Marmalade, who are another public entry. So four out of the five entries that were selected from public submissions have made it to the final. And then the last wildcard spot went to Da Punk Sportif. They are a rock band, so um, good luck if you win. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The final will be happening next Saturday with 13X competing, and that will be closing out the competitive parts of selection season. We do have a bunch of internals that'll be happening. Greece was supposed to happen on Monday, but due to the train accident that happened last week, out of respect, they have pushed back the announcement of the entry. There's also a very Eurovision-y reason for pushing it back, and it's that the entry is still in litigation because ERT's really goofy, overly transparent process of how they were doing the internal selection, the way that they were assigning points was just really weird. The second round of voting was based on the scoring metric, even though it didn't have the same number of entries. The whole thing sounds like a mess. Who knows? They have about a week and a half to figure this out. So (laughs) good luck, Greece. They were so loud about, here's what our process is this year, and now they've stepped in it. He really made this much more difficult than it needed to be, and this is what happens when you do that. So, um, Opa. Uh Yes. (laughs) Coming up this week, anything can happen with the nations we don't know about, although we do know some of the anything that will happen this week. Switzerland is dropping as this episode drops. There are a few clips online out now. We'll find out what the full song sounds like, and we'll have more on that next week. Austria is dropping their song on Wednesday. Israel is dropping their song on Wednesday. Happy International Women's Day. (laughs) Yeah, happy International Women's Day. We release songs. Hooray, women. Armenia and Azerbaijan are both in the pool. They are on top of the shoulders of somebody, and they are playing chicken, and sometime we will hear their entry. (laughs) I like that visual. Yes. Please just push them in the pool. Just, just, Just release the songs. Georgia, as we record, has said that their song is coming in the next few days. So again, just like at any point... Surprise, it's International Women's Day. Happy International Women's Day from Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll catch up with it when it decides to emerge. Greece, as we've mentioned, will be happening at some point. And the UK, at any point. We may have heard it on Radio 1. We may have seen it on the Graham Norton Show. It could be anywhere. It could be you. Surprise! <laughs> Surprise! 
surprise. <laughs> surprise, it's me. Yeah, it's like Ed McMahon rises from a grave and knocks on your door <laughs> and has a giant publisher's check clearing house yeah. <laughs> arrives at my apartment and instead of a large cardboard novelty check, it's just yeah. like, well, hope you're free that weekend. Um, <laughs> yeah, I should have sent in all of those box tops. What if that was how they chose their entry one here? <laughs> uh. A live television special where we're outside someone's house and they don't know. That's going to do it for this episode of the Euro What. Thanks for listening. The Euro What podcast is hosted by Ben Smith. That's me and Mike Pacombe. That's me. You can find show notes, our socials, and all the info you need about selection season for Eurovision 2023 on our website at eurowhat.com. If you'd like to help support the show and access a ton of bonus content, head over to patreon.com slash eurowhat. Next time on the Euro What, we wrap up selection season and check in with how preparations are going in Liverpool with our special guest, David Allwood.